Good morning. We are going to jump through various scriptures regarding prayer this morning, so please follow with me. Mark 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. Luke 5, verse 16. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Luke 6, verse 12. During those days, he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. Luke 9, verse 18. While he was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowd say that I am? Luke 11, verse 1. He was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. Matthew 14, verse 23. After dismissing the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Matthew 26, verse 36 to 39. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he told the disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little further, he fell face down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will but as you will. Mark 6.46 After he said goodbye to them, he went away to the mountain to pray. Hebrews 5.7 During his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was hurt because of his reverence. So today is the first of our um, hands messages, I guess. Uh, as you know, a couple of weeks ago when we laid out the plan for the year, we, we talked about how we would be uh, structuring <coughs> pardon me, this year's uh, pl- preaching for the year and that we're going to be structuring this around head, heart, hands and holy worship. And the head stuff is the stuff about what we believe. It's kind of doctrine-focused and it teaches us about what the Bible actually says about God and so on. The heart will be more, well, I guess, heart-focused, about uh, getting God's love into us. Uh, The hands part is what we're talking about today, which is kind of more practical uh, Christian living uh, aspects of Christian living, Christian skills that we need to grow in. And today we're going to be focusing on uh, the skill of prayer as we look at the life of Jesus and how he prayed. Now, how these hands-type sermons will often work is that we're going to look at what the Bible says about something, talk about the realities of life, and then think about what are some of the next steps that we can take as we seek to improve uh, ourselves. So let's have a look at what the Bible says, not just about prayer in general, but specifically about how Jesus prayed. 
And we're going to see that the Bible, uh, in these verses that we read, reveals to us kind of four aspects of Jesus' prayer life that is important for us to grapple with and to think about as we think about our own prayer lives. Because we want to ultimately be formed into Christ, right? And so um, we want to be like Jesus in a sense. And so let's think about how Jesus prays. Now, uh, in this week in, in email, I suggested that you bring a notebook to, to work through or grab one of our little booklets uh, from the back there because there's space to make notes in because uh, we're going to kind of go in a whole bunch of different places. So if you've got a pen and pencil with you, I want to encourage you to take notes because it, it will be helpful to you. Now, the first thing that we are going to see this, eve, uh, this morning, uh, we're, we're going to be looking at four things specifically. Jesus' prayer life was intentional, it was habitual, it was private but instructive, and it was God-focused or kingdom-focused. And so let's think first together about the fact that Jesus' prayer life was intentional. In Mark verse, uh, 1 verse 35, we read, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. I don't know about you, but if you are anything like me, it is probably true of you that sometimes our prayer lives can be quite ad hoc. Uh, you know, it kind of happens when it happens. Um, I don't think that we are generally good at prioritizing prayer as something worth doing. Now, it is true that we actually pray a lot. We pray at the start of meetings, don't we, as Christians? We pray at the start and at the end of meetings. We pray before dinner times and after dinner times sometimes. Um, We pray before church, during church, after church. Uh, But for our personal lives, our prayer lives can be quite ad hoc. Most of us, I think it's true, don't set aside times to pray. Prayer for me, as I was growing up, uh, came with my Bible reading. So at night, before I would go to bed, I would read my Bible and then turn off my light, uh, lie down, and then I would pray in bed. And more often than I would care to admit, I would wake up halfway through a, a prayer. Maybe you've had a similar experience. I suspect that's true of most of us, at least some of the time. But when we look at Jesus, we see that what he did was that he prioritised prayer. He made time for it. He, he put it in place very early. While it was still dark, he got up, went out, went to a deserted place, and there he was praying. To put it in our language, he set an alarm to pray. He got up early and prayer was the first thing in his day. And notice what he does. He goes to a deserted place. He steps into a place that, that kind of quiets the, the rush of things that are going on. It goes away. It's quiet. He doesn't get up, scroll through Instagram and Facebook check his email and then pray. No, he gets up, he takes himself into this private deserted space where the business of life cannot get to him and then he went to the literal desert to pray. This is intentional prayer. It is planned and prioritised. It is diarised and deliberate. So then why don't we pray like that? I think it's partly because we forget about how relationships work. 
You know, prayer is part of us cultivating a relationship with God. It is us spending time with our Heavenly Father. And because we know that prayer is a relationship thing, maybe we think that it's odd to schedule time to do that. I mean, if it's a real relationship, shouldn't it just fit in and happen whenever? But when we think about that, that's not actually how life works in reality, is it? That's not actually how most of our relationships work. If, if I want to have a relationship with my friend, what do I do? I cultivate, cultivate that. We schedule times to go and have coffee and catch up. Sometimes this will be a regular weekly thing where the same time each week you are, you know, swimming or whatever and you, and you catch up and you chat there. Sometimes you have to organise to spend the whole day together with someone but it has to be prioritised, planned, diarised and be deliberate. For most of our relationships, they don't just happen organically. That is true even of our relationships with our husbands or wives or our children. Yes, you live in the same house, but unless you work at that relationship, it will not grow. You have to pick up the phone, so to speak, to make it happen. That doesn't make that friendship any less real or less valuable or less authentic just because you had to work at it. In fact, it is exactly because it was intentional that the relationship builds. And because it was intentional that there is kind of a reward in the relationship. And the same is true of the way we relate to God. Jesus intentionally shows us, or he shows us that he intentionally and deliberately cultivated his relationship with his heavenly father. He got up while it was still dark, went to a place that was free from distraction, and there he was praying. So if we want to be like Jesus, then our prayer lives should be intentional. And we're going to talk about how we might make that intentional in a little bit. But that's the first thing we see this morning. The second thing the Bible teaches us is that his prayer life was also habitual. So not only was it intentional, it was habitual. Luke 5, 16, yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Or in 6.12, during those days he went out to the mountain and prayed. It was, it was kind of part of his, of his habit. Uh, he had a habit of prayer. He often withdrew. In those days he went out. That's just kind of who Jesus was. It was part of his habit. It was his habit to pray. Now here's the thing about good habits. They take time to develop. And you know that. Building a habit is a deliberate act of the will that takes somewhere between 4 and 12 weeks to truly put itself in place. Here's the other thing about habits. You actually already have them. You already have a habit of how do you go to bed, for example, or how you get up in the morning. You have a habit of what happens after dinner time. Uh, you have a habit of what you do once the kids are in bed or once you get free time by yourself. Think about that for a moment. In our house, when the morning alarm goes off, it is my job uh, to make coffee. I make the coffee while the kids have their breakfast and get ready for school. Uh, then Sarah and I sit and we drink our coffee in bed, mostly while we listen to a 10-minute Bible devotion. That is our habit. 
And because it is a habit, it happens on autopilot. When the alarm goes off, I know how many steps it takes and where to turn. I could probably do it with my eyes closed. I know where the coffee is kept. I can do almost the whole thing uh, like a robot. But because the habit involves this 10-minute Bible talk, it means that habitually we get 10 minutes of scripture and devotion each day. Now imagine the cumulative effect of that over time. Sure, it's only 10 minutes each day, but over, uh, you know, over uh, the span of a year, it's 3,500 minutes of Bible teaching, which we would not otherwise have had. Autopilot is a great thing for building your spiritual life. Our habits form us spiritually. They shape who we are. Dostoevsky once wrote, and I think he's right, he says, uh, the second half of a man's life is made up of nothing but the habits acquired during the first half. Our habits will form us. And Jesus' habit was to pray. And so if we are, want to be like Christ, if we want to grow and following in his footsteps, we have to cultivate a habit of prayer. And so we might start to think about what are some of the places that we can attach prayer to? What are some of the autopilot things that we can build into our lives so that our habits uh, include prayer? Maybe it's something you do each night before you go to bed. Maybe it is something you do first thing in the morning. Maybe it's something you do at the door before you leave home. Think through your life. Where are the places that you can, uh, I guess, build in a habit of prayer? So Jesus' life, uh, his prayer life was habitual. The third thing we're going to think about is that his prayer life was private, but it was also instructive. In Luke 9, verse 18, we, we read that while he was praying in private, his disciples were with him, and asked, then he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? In 11, Luke 11, 1, uh, we read he was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And again in Matthew fourteen twenty three, after, um, after dismissing the crowds, he went up to the mountain to pray by himself uh, while, well into the night and he was there alone. Now it is true that in some ways our prayer life is a private thing between us and God. We take Matthew verses 5 and 6 seriously. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. They want to be seen by the people. I tell you, they, truly, they have their reward. But when you pray, this is Jesus speaking, go into your private room, shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This forms the way we do prayer in the Reformed churches. We don't want to be like those wicked Pharisees, you know. We don't want to be accused of standing on the street corners and, and going, look how well I'm praying. Look at how pious I am. Look at how wonderful my prayers are. If only you, O oh poor sinner, could be as good as I am and could pray as powerfully as I could, you would be great. We don't want that. And in fact, Jesus condemns that sort of prayer. He's dead against it. He says, pray in private. 
And that was Jesus' own practice too. His prayers were in private while he was praying in private, Luke 9.18. Luke 11, 1, when he was pray, pla- praying in a certain place, i.e. not in the middle of the street, was, he was at some undisclosed location. His prayers were private. But we take that too far, I think. Because in every case we have recorded that Jesus went somewhere to pray in private, there was someone there who could record that he went to pray in private. His private prayers were witnessed by those he was discipling and building up in the faith. His prayers were not for show. They weren't designed to make others look at him and say, oh wow, how holy, how pious he is. But nor did Jesus hide his prayers from those who were being discipled by him. I think often we say things like, my prayer life is private between me and God because I don't want to be praying in front of people. I'm uncomfortable with that. I take Matthew 6, verse 5 and 6 seriously. I don't want to be on display like a Pharisee. But then we take it too far and shut other people out of our prayer lives when we could be helpfully helping them grow in prayer and when we do that we actually aren't praying like Jesus look at what happens in Luke chapter 9 Jesus was praying in private this is the context of his private prayer and then he asks his disciples who do the people say I am his prayer leads directly to a revelation of who he was. Or in Luke 11:1, 1, when he had finished praying, his disciples who were with him, praying in private, looks at him and says, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to be like that. We want to pray like you, so please teach us. His prayers were private, but they were instructive. And in the same way, if we are going to help other people grow in their faith, our prayer life is supposed to be private but witnessed. Seen, not because we want to be the people that say, look at me, how great I am, but because our prayers can help other people look at Jesus to see how great he is. We don't want to be the Pharisee that makes people look at us, but we do want to be like Jesus, where others see our faith life, our prayer life in action, and don't see just us, but see Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So his prayer life was private, yes, but it was instructive. And if we want to be like him, ours should be too. And then finally, his prayer life was kingdom-focused. We read in Matthew 26, 36 to 39, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, Sit over here while I go over there and pray. And taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Then going a little further, he fell face down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. There's another example of Jesus praying a kingdom prayer, which we find in John chapter 17, and I've got it up here for you. 
Uh, so this is Jesus praying, and he's actually here praying for us, for you and me, the people who believe through the word of the apostles being preached. So this is Jesus directly in the Bible praying for us, and I think that's pretty special. He says, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one as you, O Father, uh, um, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world might believe you sent me. In both cases, Jesus' prayer is focused on his mission. He is focused on what he came to do. He has come to rescue sinners, to reconcile us to the Father through his sacrifice on the cross. His prayer in the garden is, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to because I'm submitting myself to your will. This is going to require sacrifice, God. I need your strength to do that, but not my will, but yours be done. When he prays in, in John, he is praying for us and for all the people that had come to believe throughout all the ages uh, as Jesus saves them throughout all the ages. He prays that the world might believe in him. His prayer is focused on his mission, what he came to do to rescue sinners, to pay for our sins, to reconcile us to the Father through his sacrifice on the cross. His prayer is kingdom focused. He is about to save people. That's the context of his prayer in, in the garden. And he prays for strength to go through the plan even though he knows it means his crucifixion. His prayer is about staying the course even though he meant it was going to be extraordinarily difficult to be ripped apart and separated from God the Father. His is a prayer that was, of course, answered. He did go through it. He submitted himself to God's will, went to the cross, paid for our sins, and ultimately reconciles all who believe in him with God. But his prayer was mission-focused. And if we want to pray like Jesus, then our prayers should be mission-focused, kingdom-focused. Now, I fall into the trap all the time of just praying for the things that I think are important, that I want. When I pray at night, I pray and I thank God for the day that we've had. I thank him for the things that we can be thankful for, for love and for family and for all those sorts of things. I pray about uh, what the day uh, involved and what the day to come will involve and we pray for our children and the various things that they need to do and the current ways in which they clearly need to be shaped in. Uh, I pray about all of those things. And those are great things to pray about. Absolutely, we must pray about those. We wouldn't be faithful to the calling God has given us if we didn't pray about those things. Of course we should pray for our days and our children, right? But if we are going to pray like Jesus, that cannot be the only things we pray about. We should pray for kingdom stuff. We're going to be praying people who, uh, who will be praying for the two people that God is laying on our hearts to invite to church. We're going to be praying for the programs that our church and every church has in place to reach people with the gospel. We're going to be praying that God will put us even in dangerous and risky situations that will require sacrifice from us, yet not our will, but God's will be done. 
We are going to be praying that God, yes, would even ask us to make sacrifices financially and physically so that the world may believe that God the Father sent him. And when we pray like this, God will use our prayers to conform our hearts to his worldly mission, even when it hurts, and he will be there for us when we go through the things that he has for us in order for his kingdom to spread. My dear friends, if we want to pray like Jesus, then our prayers should be mission-focused, even when that means it will cost us. His prayer life was mission-focused. So to pray like Jesus is to pray intentionally, habitually, privately, but with instruction, and kingdom-focused. That's kind of what the Bible teaches us of how Jesus prayed. So now, how do we grow in that? What are our next steps that we can take? I want to suggest to you two things this morning. Maybe these are helpful to you. Think about them, reflect on them. Um, maybe they are helpful to you. I, I kind of prescribe these to people at various times in order to help them grow spiritually. And I want to introduce these to you perhaps for the first time. Two different types of prayers that book ends, uh, that book end our day. So that makes it habitual but planned. Okay? Uh, the first is what they call in spirituality circles daily prayers of intention. And at the end of the day is the daily prayer of examen. Now, both of these are types of prayers that help us to be intentional. They, they start our day and they end our day. It means that God is kind of over all that we do. Our daily prayers of intention are prayers where we put ourselves before God intentionally saying, I want to be the person you are calling me to be. Our days of, uh, the prayers of examen is to kind of ask ourselves, well, how did I go with that? And we look through our day as we think through um, just what, you know, how that actually uh, worked. The prayers are designed to be habitual. I don't think that we should, any of us think that because I prayed this once, we're automatically going to feel super spiritual and connected to God, but they do give us a framework to help us form the habit of talking to God. And they are kingdom-focused. The prayer in the morning, the prayer of intention is a prayer to say to God, I want to be used by you today to fulfill my calling. I want to be who you made me to be. I want to serve you. And the prayers of examine is to look back and ask the question, was I actually who God called me to be today? And where did I feel most alive? As if I was living out my calling and so on. Where was I most dead? Where did I wander far from God's path for me? And so these are, I think, really helpful ways for us to start to pray like Jesus did. So let me walk you through how they work. And this is now in the skills section. We've done the theology, now let's talk about practical application. Prayers of intention. There are really five prayers of intention that I suggest we pray each day. Now stick with me for a moment. The first one is the prayer of presenting oneself as a sacrifice. Now, this is based on Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, where the Apostle Paul writes, he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true worship. Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern that what is good and pleasing and the perfect will of God. 
And the prayer is this, Lord, I am here. I present myself as an act of worship. Here I am. I want to be a sacrifice for you. The prayer of, uh, of presenting yourself. The second one, then, in receptivity to the Spirit, hear uh, the Word of God. So in Hebrews 4, verse 12, the writer to Hebrews says, For the Word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so this prayer is the prayer of asking, Lord, I am listening. What words of scripture or what wisdom has your spirit been bringing to my attention lately? How might I respond to that? So it's a prayer for God to speak to you in the morning. Step number three is the prayer of identity. So this is based on Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to 9, where the Apostle Paul writes, But everything that was a gain to me I considered a loss because of Christ. More than that, I consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him I have suffered the loss of all things and I consider them as dung so that I might gain Christ that I might be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that is from the law, but that is of faith in Christ, a righteousness that is from God, based on faith. So the prayer here is, God, whatever I do today, I want to do this in you. I don't want to do this alone, in my own power, as a way to hide and cover my sin. I don't want my identity to be shaped in anything other than being in Christ. Because in Christ I am beloved, I am known, I know who I am in you. That's who I am and that's who I want to be today. So that's the prayer of identity. The prayer of honesty is based on these two psalms that you have up there. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test my thoughts, know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Or Psalm 15, Lord, who can dwell in your tent, who can live on your holy mountain, the one who lives blamelessly, who practices righteousness and who acknowledges the truth in his heart. So this prayer of honesty is a prayer saying, Lord, you know what's going on in my heart right now. With you, with others, with my life, with my situation. Search me, know my heart, and open my heart to know you, lest I deceive myself. And then finally is this prayer of discernment. And again, the texts are up there. Ecclesiastes 7, Consider the works of God, for who can straighten out what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity be joyful, but in the day of adversity consider, God has made the one as well as the other, so that no one can discover anything um, that will come after him. Or in Philippians 2, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only with my presence, but even more in my absence, work out with your, your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. And so what Paul is saying there is that God continues to work in us as we try to just figure out how life works. We all want wisdom for how to do our lives. And this is a prayer to ask that we will have God's discernment. Lord, what are you doing? 
Who do you want me to become? How am I to do your will? Now imagine if, this, if these couple of prayers shape your day each day. If you were to pray this every day, how do you think you might change the way you live? I think what will happen is that probably for the first couple of weeks you might not notice any difference. And then something will happen. There'll be an event, there'll be some sort of situation and you will think, is this actually who I am in Christ? And you'll respond according to that, not to your normal nature. Or you'll come to a situation where you will need wisdom and you will be prompted. I've been praying every day, God, what are you doing? What should I be paying attention to? And in that moment, we will consider, what is God doing to me? How is he shaping me? And I think if these prayers start your day each day, you will live a radically different spiritual life going forward. That's the prayer of intention. Start of the day, end of the day, prayer of examine. Now, this is an ancient, ancient prayer. Uh, It has been around for several hundred years, possibly even longer. I think probably longer. And it's really just a five-step prayer. It's a five-step prayer for the end of each day. Um, I'm hoping you can see that. Uh, It's basically five steps. Give thanks, ask for light, that is, ask for God to show you where he's been at work and present in your day, to examine the day, to seek forgiveness and to resolve to change. Now, in giving thanks, we just thank God in gratitude for the gifts and the blessings of the day. It is to thank him for family, because there's always something to be thankful for. Could be the weather, could be your family, could be something good that's happened, could be the fact that you are still alive. Then to ask for light is to ask God to enlighten you, to show you where he's been active in your day, because you prayed for that at the start, right? You asked for him to show you how he's been living, and now he's asking you, Uh, to show you how he's been working in your life. And then to take the day in step three, to just um, kind of break your day into blocks, whether that's hours or periods or sections of your day, and to think through these things in prayer and present them before God. Notice any places that has led to consolation or desolation. That's the words they use in uh, in these prayers. Consolation means places where you are alive, where you... Uh, where, you are, where you feel like you're living out your calling, places where God is using you. And desolation is places where you're kind of spiritually dying. So if you're committing sin or, or doing something that's against your nature, that's a desolation. So reviewing your day, noticing these places of consolation and desolation, um, and to present them before God. Step four is to seek forgiveness because we all, every day, act against, according, uh, against God's will. And step five is to make a commitment to God that tomorrow I'm going to try better or I'm going to change this thing. Again, imagine how your life will change if this becomes the habit of your life every single day. I think we will be radically deeper connected spiritually to God. And so that's what I suggest for you this morning. So feel free to ignore that and discard it and don't do it. That's fine. Um, But perhaps it is helpful to you. And I think this is a way that all of us can grow. So in these two ways, my friends, I want to encourage you to grow in prayer as you take your next steps to pray in a way like Jesus prayed. Intentionally, habitually, 
uh, in a way that is private but seen and in a way that is focused on growing his kingdom. So I, uh, I, I offer that to you to consider. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of prayer, for this tool that you've given us to build our relationship with you. And so as we uh, consider this this morning and perhaps even what you're calling us, how you're calling us to live our lives, we pray that this might be uh, something you grow us in deeply. We want to have a deeply connected spiritual life where we have a strong and ongoing relationship of love uh, with you. We don't just want to have our theology straight, but with a dead heart. We want our theology straight, but with a living heart and a deep relationship with you. So we pray this morning, Lord, that you will, uh, that you will give us that. Help us to live each day with intention. Help us to be able to examine each day uh, for those places that we have lived out our calling and the places where we have walked away from who you called us to be. Lord, we pray that you will shape our prayer lives to be like Jesus, the author and perfecter of our lives. And so we pray that we will be able to pray intentionally, habitually, that we'll be able to pray uh, privately but with instruction for those around us as we help them take their next steps, and that we will pray that we will be part of the mission you are accomplishing here on earth. Help us to take our next steps today. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.